Howdy, folks. Double J here. That's right. That's J-E-double. No, folks, you know all that. Hey, guys. Jeff Jarrett here. And I just finished recording the very first episode of My World with Jeff Jarrett. You know, Conrad, he may be regretting right now uh, bringing me on board because I don't think he likes some of the things I said. But guess what? You can hear it early and ad-free on adfreeshows.com or this Tuesday, May 4th, it drops. You know, what a roller coaster of a ride it was. The night Jeff Jarrett held up Vince McMahon. Come on, guys. Does that even make sense? Anyhow, hear the entire complete, nothing but the truth, the whole truth, so help me God. Tune in this Tuesday, My World with Jeff Jarrett. Hey, got a quick question for you. How old are you going to be when you pay your house off? If you listen to this show very much, you know, I'm obsessed with time. I'm also obsessed with age and how old people are. It's almost a meme at this point about how many times I've joked about how old AJ Styles is. But the reality is this, we can help you get out of debt faster and with cheaper monthly payments and save with Conrad. And that might not be something you're thinking about right now, but check this testimonial it comes to us from Joseph in Houston, Texas. He says, I drive for work, so I have no time to be on the phone. The majority of communication came via text. No rush. I got back to Derek when I could on my time. You guys cut down my payoff date by eight years, even adding money to the loan and still making the payoff date eight years earlier. So what we're talking about is if you've got credit card debt, when's the best time to pay it off today? Savewithconrad.com can help, but more importantly, cutting eight years off of your loan. I want you to ask yourself this question. How old am I when I pay my house off? It's kind of weird that we don't know the answer to that right off the top of our head. We hear people all the time say things like, oh, I've got six car payments left. How many house payments do you have left, bro? How old are you going to be? And how old are your kids going to be? What we're talking about is paying your house off before your kids go to college. We're talking about paying your house off before you plan to retire. Nobody wants to retire and hope that they can still make a house payment. Retire your debt and then retire. Retire your debt and then help your kids with college tuition so they can avoid student loans. And if you've got student loans, you know you don't want to burden your kids with those. Let me help. Let me show you how to get out of debt faster and with cheaper monthly payments and the greatest tax deduction possible at SaveWithConrad.com. Now, as always, we don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. And if we can't help you save some cash, we won't waste your time. So find out how much money you can save right now for free at SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Oh, and did I mention we're licensed in more than 40 states? What are you waiting for? Find out how much money you can save right now for free at SaveWithConrad.com. Welcome. Do something to wrestle with. Something to wrestle with. Brooks. Pritchard. Who's Pritchard? Give a shit. <laughs> I ain't scared. I ain't scared to shit. Fuck him. Q Bruce. Ah, Machine. God damn, kid. God damn it. What the hell show you got there? I need more. Ooh, yeah. What's a 
Something to Wrestle With con Bruce Pritchard y the second most Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to Something to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. Bruce, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm just absolutely positively fabulousicus. Oh, okay. You know what, man? I met a dog the other day and I started talking to him and I was like, oh, epicasis, such a cases. And he just, we had the damnedest conversation. You and he the- loved me. He would not leave me alone. Tell us about this dog. Where did you find this dog? He was like in the hallway. Oh, it's your own dog. No, 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 no. Oh, you were at someone so else's house. house. Okay. Strange dog, uh, backstage. Okay. And, uh, he was there. I just said, Jeff Bases said, JJKK Chase. Hey, we talked for a little while. He said, all right. cases. Yeah, we knew. All right. Well, I hope that you don't try to talk dog through the rest of the episode, because this is going to be a challenging show as is, because I have a feeling you're not going to enjoy this one very much. Our topic today, backlash 2006. Yes. This is that particular backlash where Vince wrestled God, I believe in the main event. Uh, so a lot to unpack here, as I like to say on the show, um, let's just jump right into it, man. We're covering this because it's 15 years ago. Went down on April 30th, the Rupp Arena there in Lexington, Kentucky. We had 14,000 fans and it did 273,000 pay per view buys. Overall, the event does $19.9 million in revenue. Listen, it's not exactly a company record, but by God, $19.9 million is a boatload of cash for a single show. Yeah, that's not bad versus doing some in $32,000 houses that we thought was good in Texas back in the day. Yeah. I mean, that is something that, you know, we sort of gloss over, but we take the success for granted sometimes. And we say, oh, well, things were down relative to what, you know, you sort of grew up in, in the business. This is another stratosphere, right? It sure is. And, and, you know, it was looking at it, it it's kind of a new normality. Let's talk about, uh, this particular time here in 06. This is a raw brand pay-per-view back when we still had split brand pay-per-views. We're coming right off of WrestleMania 22, where we saw John Cena retain his title by beating triple H. We also saw Sean beat Mr. McMahon and Rob Van Dam win the money in the bank ladder match and a lot of other stuff. But one of the big things that Wade Keller is talking about on the heels of WrestleMania is a situation regarding Steve Austin and Hulk Hogan. Wade would write, the two have not been around each other much over the years, and as the two biggest stars in WWE's modern history, all eyes were on how they'd interact at the Hall of Fame. The short answer is, at least publicly, they didn't. There are two schools of thoughts. One is that they have a secret pact to have a match at next year's WrestleMania at Ford Field and want to build up a sense of legitimate heat between the two and hype kicks in for their first and assuredly only match at WrestleMania 30 or 23. The other school of thought has more credibility to it, 
which is that the match will never happen because the two just don't like each other. They wouldn't be able to agree on a finish or trust each other in a match. Austin is too vulnerable and Hogan mistimed, um, and uh, vulnerable to a Hogan mistimed move because of his neck and money doesn't seem to matter enough to Austin to risk it. Here's the story. According to several sources in the know, both close to uh, Austin and Hogan. Hogan badly wants a match against Austin, but Austin has been resistant to the idea for several reasons, including those listed above Vince McMahon offered Austin a seven figure guaranteed payday to wrestle Hogan at 23. And Hogan has a deal in place where he automatically gets the highest payoff of anyone at WrestleMania. He'd have to waive that. And McMahon would have to offer Austin an obscene amount of money to get him to agree to do that match. And then Wade finishes all of this by saying, Austin turned down the formal offer months ago. So a lot to unpack here. Uh, I know you're going to poke holes in a lot of this. Let's just do, go through it piece by piece. I feel like there was some disappointment that Austin and Hogan didn't happen. Uh, I kind of thought it would happen at WrestleMania 18. Of course, what we got wound up being probably even better when Hulk wrestled, uh, the rock, but Austin winds up wrestling Scott hall and it just feels less than. Do you remember it ever being seriously discussed that perhaps we could do it at WrestleMania 23? I think that, you know, yeah, it was discussed. It was, you know, a lot of things are discussed, but I don't know that at that time that there was ever this set, okay, we're going to do this here. We're going to do that there. When we got to, uh, wherever it was and we had the Scott Hall match, it was with Steve and Brock and Hogan. Well, one of those guys, Rock and Steve, needed to face two of the NWO guys. And that's just how it fell at the time. Well, let's talk about the, the whole Hogan-Austin thing. You know, it, was there interest in, and let's, let's sort of try and just keep it on the table, or did they really not get along? I, I don't think that they didn't not get along. I don't think they interacted enough to get along and or not get along. Do you think that a match could have happened? Like, would there have been enough trust? Would they have argued over the finish? Were they t- both sort of thinking they should go over? Talk to me about that. I think eventually the match probably could have happened had everybody stayed healthy. Um, but you got to keep in mind, you know, at that time, Steve was dealing with a lot of health issues. Steve was, Steve was dealing with a lot of trust issues. So, um, to say that all that match never would have happened, that that's crazy to say, because I think that you just had to get over some of the issues that were basically rearing their head at the time. And that reality in and of itself was something that you had to take into consideration. Love talking about my friend, Steven singer, you know, the competition really hates him. He makes the experience of buying a diamond better and better. And he makes it fun. Steven is the very first to offer each and every guest, the perfect price. That's right. Have you ever wondered if you're getting the best price? Are you uncomfortable negotiating head to Steven singer jewelers and you're guaranteed to get the perfect price. You'll never pay more than the person next to you. Here's a little insider tip. Most jewelers mark their merchandise way up just to mark it down to make you feel like you're getting a deal. The person next to you may be paying less. Do you want an important purchase like diamond jewelry to be based on your negotiating skills? Not the case at Steven Singer. Because at Steven Singer Jewelers, you're guaranteed to get the perfect price. 
all day, every day, 365 days a year. That's why we trust Steven Singer. It makes the experience of buying a diamond so easy. Check out Steven Singer Jewelers at the other corner of 8th and Walnut in Philly or online at IHateStevenSinger.com. Steven Singer Jewelers, one place, one price. That's IHateStevenSinger.com. What do you make of Vince McMahon offered Austin a seven-figure guaranteed payday to wrestle Hogan at 23? I find that somebody just wanting to sensationalize a story. What about this last line here? Hogan has a deal in place where he automatically gets the highest payoff of anyone at WrestleMania. That's not true. That's people making up stories. Yeah. Okay. Let's jump into it. We mentioned earlier, Rob Van Dam won the money in the bank ladder match at WrestleMania, which planted the seeds for him to eventually cash it in at ECW's one night stand. Number two pay-per-view in June of 06. And Keller would report the idea for Rob Van Dam to win the money in the bank match and use it, set up the ECW main event was Paul Heyman's idea. Paul Heyman is apparently the guy who's been pushing behind the scenes for this. And Vince McMahon likes the idea, agrees to it, knowing it's going to give the pay-per-view a natural main event that it otherwise didn't have. Do you remember this? thinking going into WrestleMania? Well, if we know we're going to do another one night stand and really get ECW kicked off. What if we sort of lay the groundwork at WrestleMania and have uh, Rob win the case? Well, yeah, it only made sense. And it was also a situation of Rob really kind of standing out at the time. So Rob was, you know, Rob was kind of on that upward swing and it made sense for it to be Rob and it made sense for it to be Rob, even with the ECW pay-per-view coming up even more. So it's mentioned more cachet to that. It's mentioned here. It's a matter of time till we find out, will it be John Cena or triple H being champion at that ECW pay-per-view? But the betting line this week is that it will be Cena. quote. They're not going to have Hunter win the belt earlier than they'd prefer just to avoid Cena getting booed at the ECW event in hindsight, the, the heat, if you will, for John Cena versus Rob Van Dam in front of a, a rabid ECW crowd is what made that match so special. I was glad to hear, or at least read, uh, Hey, they're, they don't really care about Cena getting booed here. That's kind of the idea, right? Us versus them. You need that. Yeah. You got your EC. Look, the ECW audience was a loyal audience yes. that was anti everything else. That same audience would go to a WWE show or maybe cheer John Cena and yeah. Yeah, whatever, but they're a very loyal and boisterous audience. Let's talk about some other news and notes here. Uh, Meltzer would say, or Wade would say, rather, we went Wade Keller this week over at the torch, pwtorch.com. There's no clear timetable on when Shawn Michaels will be drastically cutting back on his schedule. Originally, when he returned full time, it was only supposed to be for a short span, but he enjoyed his return to work so much that he kept accepting more feuds and full time bookings. Recently, though, he has become disenchanted, said one colleague. What WWE does sometimes is show their hand. Michaels realized that he's just one of their animals being herded around. He may be one of management's or Vince's favorites, but he's still just seen as one of the boys. More specifically, it's written here. Sean was especially upset when he was told he couldn't fly on air McMahon, the private jet anymore, because it was off limits to all talent except triple H who's family. But when they needed him for a last second booking, and he said he couldn't get a commercial flight to get there in time, McMahon offered the private jet. He realized then that he was given the red carpet treatment when it benefited McMahon, 
but despite his tenure with the company, the red carpet wouldn't be extended to him. Otherwise, is this much ado about nothing? Or do you remember Sean becoming a little disenchanted here? I think it's a whole lot of miss much ado about nothing. I, I never heard that. And, and if it was, and I don't think it was a big thing that people were talking about by any stretch of the imagination, but no, I never heard that. Uh, Tuesday afternoon, WWE announced that Randy Orton was suspended for 60 days due to unprofessional conduct. As of press time, unprofessional conduct had been unidentified by WWE. Now, WWE is never going to officially say what was going on here. And I think it's always just been hinted at by Randy saying, Hey, I screwed up. Uh, but a lot of folks have sort of pegged, Hey, this is probably a wellness policy thing. Do you recall what was really going on with Randy here? When I think it's probably more, you know, along the lines of what Randy said, he probably screwed up and, you know, had something that went awry and guess what? It happens sometimes. It, it is remarkable to, to take a look at Randy in this era and Randy. Now it's like two totally different people uh, based on everything we hear and read. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that. But I would also agree with at the time that Randy was, was still probably one of the most talented people on the roster. Yeah. And he was also, this is worth mentioning very young at the time. He's the youngest WWE champion ever. And so all of a sudden you're in your early twenties, you're a multimillionaire, you're a big TV star. Uh, it's probably going to be, uh, you're going to have a lot of opportunities that maybe you take a little too far occasionally. I wouldn't know that. Well, <laughs> I'm just freestyling. Oh, what look, the fuck? Bruce, take your pills. Thank you. You're welcome. It's been a while since I got to do that. I thought that when you silenced your phone, everything's silenced, except when it's pill time. Except when it's pill time. Damn. Cause you need That's the pills. Good. Is it an oldie from that was a, that was like an oldie, but a goodie. What the pill or me yelling, Bruce, take your pills. I'm today about anything really, but go ahead. I wish everybody could see your hair. Uh, do you remember doc Brown's hair and back to the future? You've got doc Brown's hair today. It's a little, it's a little on the gray side, but so let's keep going here. Bruno San Martino, ultimate warrior and Randy Savage were all listed as candidates for next year's hall of fame. Uh, all three are on bad terms with the WWE to various degrees, but all three would easily qualify based on the standards that WWE has used. Uh, none of the three is likely willing to appear in person for the induction. Well, in Savage's case, Vince McMahon wouldn't welcome him for undisclosed reasons. McMahon has said over the years that Savage is the one wrestler. He never wants to hear brought up again, much less considered for any WWE involvement. That's all directly from the torch. Do you think if Randy, if his life wouldn't have been cut short and, and Randy was still with us today, it feels like. Randy and, and Vince would have mended fences. He did with everybody else, Bruno warrior, every Brett, everybody. Right. Yeah. I definitely think that, um, Randy would have been there in person. hundred percent. I, I, I don't, I don't doubt that for a second. Uh, Joey styles is doing commentary at the time. And it seems like he's having some trouble adjusting to the WWE style, or at least whatever Vince wants. He did ECW pretty much the entire tenure by himself, but it's a big difference here in WWE and uh, Wade would write Jim Ross was backstage at the last two editions of raw. He filmed the Chavo Guerrero interview, of course, but he also worked behind the scenes, coaching styles on headsets. 
It was apparent in Styles' commentary that Ross was feeding him lines and helping him get in plugs at the right time. Styles had heat on him two weeks ago when, right before going to a commercial for the main event, he made an issue of whether Triple H and Edge could get along. He had been specifically told that on the final plug before the main event, the centerpiece should plug the perspective of the babyface. In this case, John Cena being in jeopardy because he would be facing two heels. It was considered an inexcusable mistake because he had been coached on what specifically to say and when. Styles is also criticized for writing too many note cards with exact language on them that he wants to say during a match, similar to Mike Tanay's style, including his clever, smart one-liners. Uh, when Styles first entered WWE, observers say he was very laid back and nonchalant about wanting the job, but deep down really hoped to get it. And once he got the contract, his cocky persona that he was known for in ECW showed itself more. So let's just tag, tag out right there. Do you remember Jim coming back in and trying to get Joey up to WWE speed, whatever that may be? Absolutely. Jim was coach for the play-by-play guys. Jim was coach for Michael Cole. Jim was a co-chair for Joey Styles to just kind of teach him how to tell stories more. It is a lot different. It's a completely different animal from being in a one-man booth to a two-man or a three-man booth. It's difficult. Every time you add someone else, the difficulty level rises as well. So, uh, yeah, you know, it was a learning curve for Joey where he did everything, and I doubt Joey was very produced at all at ECW. So he goes from not being produced to all of a sudden being very heavily produced and it makes a difference. So a few weeks ago, I uh, took my parents to the beach for their uh, 41st wedding anniversary. And while we were down there, mom started teasing dad that, uh, well, something he said for a lot of years might not be true. He had been saying for a long time, well, my hair will turn gray, but it'll never turn loose. But mom was sort of razzing him saying that she's been finding more and more hair in the shower. I immediately gave dad the pro tip, dude, you gotta try keeps. And by the way, I got so nervous. I got some too, because two out of three men will experience some form of hair loss by the time they're 35. And dad was lucky. Dad was in his sixties before it happened, but I'm trying to get a jump start, baby. I don't want to let it happen to me. You see more than 50 million men in the U S suffer from male pattern baldness. And there are only two FDA approved medications that can prevent hair loss. Well, check this out. Keeps offers both. Keeps offers a simple, stress-free way to keep your hair. They've got convenient virtual doctor consultations and medications delivered straight to your door every three months, so you don't even have to leave your home. And how about this? Low-cost treatments that start at just $10 per month, and Keeps even offers the generic versions. Discreet packaging and, of course, proven results, Keeps has more five-star reviews than any of their competitors. Prevention is key. Treatments can take four to six months to see results. So act fast. Don't wait until it's too late. It's called keeps for a reason. Keep the hair you've got right now, bud. If you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com slash wrestle to receive your first month of treatment for free. That's keeps.com slash wrestle to get your first month free. That's keeps.com slash wrestle keeps.com forward slash wrestle. What do you make of this context that they said that Joey's, uh, cocky ECW persona reared its head where maybe he was more all shucks at first, but now he's got, uh, an air about him. Did you see that or hear that? 
I got to tell you, uh, I, you mean backstage or in real life? Uh, it, it's written I, here like it was real life and I don't know him, know him, but I can't imagine that. I never really experienced Joey being anything, but, uh, really nice. Um, yeah, I, I find that one didn't see that. Didn't see that. I found Joey to be very professional and pretty humble. Let's also mention, uh, there's a lot of speculation abound. Here we go. Now though, he has been humbled, not just from brow beatings by Vince McMahon, but the realization that he has a long way to go and isn't a good announcer yet in a WWE context. Apparently Ross has said he doesn't want to take styles position since he's enjoyed the scale back schedule, but he is determined to do whatever he can to help styles short of being a surrogate announcer, feeding him lines forever. Quote, if part of his WWE legacy includes helping to mold styles into a decent announcer, he'd be proud of that. Ross will be treated like a legendary announcer brought in for the big shows at this point. Now that styles has relocated to Stanford, Connecticut from Atlanta and signed a five-year contract, WWE is going to give him a lot of opportunity to earn his keep. Why don't you think the styles thing worked? I think it did work for a little while. It's just, again, it was different and I don't think it was a sustainable difference that, uh, for whatever reason. And, and really, and truly, I think that, uh, and Joey not had other opportunities and different things that, that had come up that required his time that Joey would probably still be there today. Uh, let's, let's, um, talk a little bit about Joey and, and his spot here. Was there anybody ever even considered we're about to launch the ECW brand, I guess is what I'm driving to, but he's been sort of the voice of raw was him moving over to ECW and the whole shoot quit thing. You know, cause he does this work shoot thing on raw and quits WWE, but then he shows up as the ECW announcer, rah, rah, rah. Had he really flourished and, and they felt like, God damn, this is exactly what we've been looking for. Would that have still happened? Would they have stayed the course and moved him to ECW or would they have settled in and said, no, no, no. I know you did that before, but we need you here on raw. Well, I think that for comfort that the audience of the, the ECW audience would have not been comfortable with anyone else telling them their stories other than Joey styles. If you had access to Joey styles, right? I think the, the outpouring of feedback would be, we want Joey styles because that audience just want what they, what they had for those three years that ECW was in existence. There's a kind of a fun, you know, I guess we'll talk about it some other time, but what do you remember of Joey's sort of work shoot? promo was it something that um he's allowed to have some freedom with is it all heavily scripted i mean it came off where it was the talk of the internet there for a few days yeah because it was scripted and it was all laid out for him great stuff great uh, delivery great delivery yeah uh, jr's JR's going to return at backlash and return as the lead announcer of raw replacing Joey. I don't, I, I, I just want to help Joey, but, but he just doesn't have it. I, I, I don't know who can replace him, but maybe if, uh, you know, maybe I, I could sit in for the next, uh, seven, nine years and, and, and help him. Well, that's what I wanted to get at. You know, is this a, almost a Jay Leno Conan O'Brien situation? Where, okay, he's here and I'm going to help him, but I'm really going to help him on the sci-fi network and you go call that ECW bullshit and I'm taking Raw back. 
I think, first of all, I think that as far as the ECW brand, that the ECW brand needed the voice of Joey Styles on it. Yeah, I agree. And second of all, I think that uh, JR would want to be calling Raw until the day he died. I don't, I can't argue that, I guess. All right, let's keep it moving here. Uh, Bruce is not very talkative uh, for the third week in a row. Wade Kelly that says, is no, you're just doing deposition Jones again. Like Eric Bischoff did in the early days. I get it. You're stretched thin. You're tired. You're sleepy. You're stressed. Thank you. Yeah, I did all, all three. I can't do two and not say three. Uh, one yeah, of the, my days working hard on the go, but the hands on the clock keep spinning too slow. I can't wait to go asleep in my bed tonight. Hey, speaking of that song, have you had a chance to uh, listen to my world with Jeff Jarrett yet? No, you know, I don't listen to your shit. It's not my shit. It's his shit. You like him. Yeah, it's your I don't talk very much. He talks a lot. Yeah. Yeah. He does. He sing though. I think we're going to save that for a big show. Yeah, that won't happen. What? We won't have a big show. No, he's not a singer. Well, I'm going to make him a singer. Oh, you can't make him a singer. You're either a singer, like, you know, I forget the words right now. Wade Keller says one of the unlikely stories of this past year has been the surprising popularity of WWE in Italy. Uh, this really jumped out at me. I had no idea that this was like a new market for you guys in this era. Uh, is this when y'all start to look around and say, God damn, maybe we need an Italian character because it won't be too long. And we start to get one. Uh, Italy was friggin' great by the way. And, um, that was, that was one of those trips where we went to Italy and there was a choice given. Now imagine this choice. You're given the choice of you can go to Rome and spend a week in Rome on the company's dime where they would pay your hotel and your food and you get to be in Rome. Or you could tour on a bus, your respective brand. If you wrote for SmackDown, you went on the SmackDown tour. If you wrote for Raw, you went on the Raw tour and you could tour with the boys and everything in, in a bus in their, in their shows. Guess which one I picked Conrad. You hung out in Rome. I hung out in motherfucking Rome yeah. and I had a great time. So it was, uh, yeah, Italy was absolutely fantastic, man. I loved Rome every single night down at the Piazza. Oh, it was just absolutely great. And wrote one of the, if not the best, Brian Gewertz raw ever while in Rome. So there. Let's talk about ECW. Uh, Wade would say almost on a whim last week, Vince McMahon initiated a full-time relaunch of extreme championship wrestling as a brand. Uh, this comes at the end of April when this is announced. And of course, Wade says the plans change and expand daily, but in short, the idea is to exploit the equity that already exists in the brand beyond the annual June pay-per-views. Uh, and so they're also talking about how they're going to be bringing in other talent. Uh, they're being offered full-time deals. And those names include Sandman, Sabu, Balls Mahoney, Justin Credible, Lance Storm, Francine. And he says perhaps others. Uh, 
within the company, there's a lot of other unutilized talent that they think they can tap into on the CCW side of things, including kid cash, super crazy psychosis, Johnny Swinger, Al Snow, and of course, big names like Rob Van Dam, Chris Benoit, and Mick Foley as well. He says the biggest uh, question, which is yet to be finalized is how the brand will actually be presented after the June show. He says, there's no new time slot on USA or any other network that he knows of that has a deal in place. And for it to have feel like a true relaunch, you need a separate weekly show. Uh, and he also freestyles that CM Punk, Paul London, Brian Kendrick, and Matt Hardy are also a lot of other names that could fit with this ECW brand. What really sticks out to me is almost on a whim is the way this report starts. Was this sort of all of a sudden, do you remember coming to the office and it's like, okay, we're starting ECW. There wasn't like a big discussion or planning a rampway, a built a runway. It's just, nope, we're doing it. Oh yeah. Cause that's just the way you do business in a publicly traded billion dollar company. Well, I guess my question was, is it always feels chicken in the egg. When you talk about TV deals, if you're going to launch a new television brand, you need a television clearance. Did sci-fi or, or, or did someone present an offer and say, Hey, we would like to have WB programming. So we had an opportunity, but what we didn't have was a theme. Does that make sense? Well, no, Vince was looking to, based on the success of the pay-per-views and looking for something, create more content. Everybody's always looking for more content, the networks, um, content, content, content. So if you create new content, now you have to find a home for it. So the content was there and looking at it from that vantage point, we could reinvent ECW. Now you need a place for it to go. And then the FX deal came about, but it was kind of out there shopping and didn't take long to shop at all. Do you think any of this would have happened had it not been for the success of that rise and fall of ECW DVD? Oh, I know it wouldn't have happened if that hadn't been successful. I mean, that sort of is step one and then one night stand in 05. And then you got to start looking around and thinking, shit, maybe there is something here, right? Right. You know, when you, you look at the, you know, the desire always to have a, a desire to create your own competition, you're still looking for that as well. And maybe, maybe this could be it again, create a third brand that is something that, um, might work. Who knows? Today's episode is brought to you by Geico. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work, but you know, what's easy bundling policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's insurance or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing too, because you already have so much to do around the house. Go to Geico.com, get a quote and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. And we thank them for sponsoring today's podcast. Uh, next up, we should mention, uh, Brock Lesnar has finally, uh, finished his legal battle with WWE. Wade would say neither side is allowed to talk when both parties have issued statements saying they're satisfied with what appears to be a compromise. The wording from WWE indicates they feel they are substantially protected from Lesnar working for their competition. Lesnar's lawyer said that Lesnar will be able to pursue a living in his field. In other words, Lesnar probably can't wrestle on TV in the U S for a certain period of time, but can wrestle overseas and participate in MMA fights. Of course, we know Brock is going to uh, take a dabble over with new Japan pro wrestling and 
try his hand in MMA and do quite well in the UFC. What do you remember about this pissing contest finally coming to an end? I, I, you know, sometimes you just reach a point of, Hmm, enough and, and being done with it and you move on. And that's pretty much where we were at that point. It was, you protect your IP as much as you can and you try to protect, you know, that's why, why you have contracts and do what you have to do. But then when it's over and you kind of, at some point you just got to move on. Right. And that's, and from our vantage point, that was something the lawyers were battling with. And that's not anything that we were in a day to day, you know, what's, what's the status there? Because there was never at that point, there wasn't the, okay, well, he's coming back here. That wasn't what we're looking for. So I really didn't care. Let's talk about some other news here. Uh, prior to the WWE heading to England for the bulk of the European tour, quote unquote, network guy, Palmer cannon quit the company while drinking with JBL, Chris Benoit and Dave Finley cannon grew upset with the ribbing. He was the target of confronted JBL about it. And before a physical confrontation took place, decided to quit. He flew himself home. One WWE source tells the torch that JBL is automatically being made out to be the bad guy because of his reputation of being a hard ribber. But in this case, this is a situation where Cannon was just overreacting quote. I hear Cannon felt entitled that he had paid his dues instead of sitting there and listening. Cannon lost to Funaki at the April 19th show in Italy before quitting and booking a flight home. Cannon was not used on SmackDown as a wrestler, but actually did train to be a wrestler and was signed by WWE just over a year ago, originally as a wrestler. What can you tell us about Palmer Cannon and how this kind of got off track? Well, the, the whole Palmer Cannon thing was this guy looked like a network executive. <laughs> That's how he got the gig. He was a guy that was in developmental and, and looked like, uh, I could see him in a boardroom in a network. So that's why he was chosen. He had a look coming in. We figured we could teach him what he lacked in the working department inside the ring. And his personality was dry, kind of that of a network executive as well. So he was brought in, was not a good fit. And, you know, JBL gets a lot of heat and gets blamed for a lot of things, maybe just because he's the loudest. But... John was not the only one that had issues with, with Mr. Cannon. And, and it, again, it's, it just isn't a fit. It's kind of like in your mortgage company, you may have the greatest, you know, the perfect fit that you think that you want to make, make work. And they come into that environment and Larry and others in there, they just, they just don't fit with them. And so you've got to make that decision that, okay, well, they may be the best, but they don't fit with the other six loan officers I've got here. Right. And they may just go somewhere else. I'll go down to XYZ mortgage. Let's talk a little bit about, uh, well, you, you make the torch here and it's not favorable surprise. Another former WWE talent says Lauren Itis is a good fit with Vince McMahon's inner circle of Bruce Pritchard, Gerald Briscoe quote. Pritchard is the type to be your friend to your face. Goad you into saying something negative about Vince and then run to Vince and quote you to get you in trouble and score brownie points with the boss. For what it's worth, Pritchard is the executive who caught Randy Orton violating a WWE policy backstage WrestleMania week and promptly reported it to Vince McMahon, which was the final straw in Orton getting suspended. 
Well, let's say you, Conrad. You've you've been around me for several years. No, uh, that is not you. That is not your MO. I can agree with that. But you've heard that because you've heard that for people that don't know me. Well, yeah, listen, I think, you know, one of the great things about something to wrestle is so much of this stuff was out there for so long and you never, uh, sort of, uh, try to control the narrative. You just said, ah, fuck it. It's a quote unquote dirt sheet. Who gives a shit? And so a lot of fans tuned into this show for the first time thinking, oh, who wants to listen to Pritchard? He's a stooge and he's a blah, blah, blah. And then you listen to the show and you're like, uh, he's a fucking entertaining son of a bitch. So here we are enjoying our something to wrestle success, but, but still, when you read about this, this has to make you feel these motherfuckers. No, I don't dignify with an answer because it's ill-informed, you know, people stating shit that from people who aren't there that watch from the outskirts that have no idea. How does the story like, like the one here about it was Pritchard who caught Randy Orton violating a policy, blah, blah, blah. How does that get out? Same way everything else gets out. Okay. This is a great Tell, show. So telegraph, tell the wrestler. Kurt Angle's coming off the road right after backlash. Wade would write Kurt Angle has been taken off the road. So his body has time to recover. Unfortunately, Angle is facing chronic pain for the rest of his career. Considering the condition of his damaged neck for years, Angle has wrestled with a neck that is considered as bad, if not worse than the condition of Steve Austin's Austin is concerned about paralysis from one wrong bump. So he retired from active wrestling and is hesitant to even return for a match or two. Yet angle is so driven to be considered the best of all time pro wrestlers. And he realizes he hasn't secured that lofty position yet. So he continues to wrestle despite the risks. He reached a point on the European tour where he struggled to lift his suitcase at a hotel and openly admitted his daily pain was debilitating. Angle is known for working through incredible pain and has a reputation for wanting to please everyone. So when he admits to pain, it's considered extremely serious. As a result, WWE pulls angle from the road after the European tour. And from this point on, he may never wrestle a true full-time year round schedule again. Although given his drive and ability for better or worse to work through pain and injury after a few weeks off, he may try to wrestle again. Otherwise it seems the best case scenario that he wrestles for stretches of time and then takes a stretch off. What do you remember about Kurt? He's coming to an end here in WWE. I don't think he's here very many more months before he has that famous meeting in front of, uh, the writers or whatever. And he pulls his pants down in front of Vince to show him, Hey man, I've torn everything. I'm in bad shape here, but we don't, we're not quite there yet. Did you know, Hey man, this thing's percolating. We got to do something for Kurt soon. Yeah, and here's the thing. You don't know what you don't know. Right. So Kurt isn't coming in and telling people, and he may tell people privately that he's hurting and that he's in pain, but I can tell you a lot of times and asking Kurt how you doing. No, 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 man. I'm fine. I'm great. No, I'm a little banged up or uh, hurt this. No, but I feel great today. I've been stretching out, and you don't know. And if you go and ask someone, you have to – believe that they're telling you the truth. And if they're not telling you the truth, then you, you, you can only work on the information that you have. Right. And if, you know, you send them to a doctor and then the doctor says they, they can't wrestle or they're, uh, have this injury tore something. Okay. Then you act on that. But you know, Kurt was one of those Kurt's a double tough son of a bitch. 
that would rap and go. No, man, I'm fucking, I'm, I won a gold medal with a broken freaking neck. Right. Not, it's not like this is for Kurt's first time to kind of conceal an injury and say, no, 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 I'm fine, man. Let's go. And with a broken neck, could you imagine had Kurt not had a broken neck, how well Kurt would have done in the Olympics That's, uh, or WWE? Like how much better could you be? Right. And he was the best in the world. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to grade on that curve. Okay. You're, you're the best and you're damaged. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's pretty fucking good. So, but the point is, is I don't think that, uh, anybody knew until Kurt finally raised his hand and said, Hey, we've got some issues over here. Let's talk a little bit about the show. Now we're finally here. We're about 36, seven minutes into our conversation so far. Uh, let's talk about backlash. On heat prior to the pay-per-view, Goldust beat Rob Conway with a power slam and Joey Styles and Jerry Lawler called that match. But after the pay-per-view intro, Jim Ross joins Jerry Lawler at the broadcast position without any explanation, which Wade said wasn't surprising. Uh, match number one, Carlito gets a win over Chris Masters in nine minutes and 58 seconds. Meltzer would say that Masters worked on Carlito's neck and in the back of his head after Carlito took the early offensive control. Of course, the... Uh, the master lock is what we're trying to tease here. He goes for the master lock eventually, but Carlito slips out and hits the lung blower. He makes a cover, places his feet on the ropes for the win, and he gets it. So there you go. Carlito wins. Meltzer didn't love it though. Called it a dud. Um, there's a, a misplanned spot about eight and a half minutes in where Carlito's on top of masters and masters forgets to kick out. And the referee comes up short on a two count that really was three. And the fans are booing and Jr. points out that masters was asleep at the wheel. When you have a major snafu like this on pay-per-view, this has got to be something that, uh, gets under the, uh, the crawl of Vince McMahon. Yeah, it's not good. And, and th this is one of those where a referee should be, you know, the final call. And if the guys, you know, aren't doing their part, then the referee should count and, and move on, make it, you know, make it real. The referee should have authority. And that's kind of where things get upset. You know, what feels great paying off high interest rate, credit cards, getting a lower rate and saving money, refinance your credit card balances and save with a credit card consolidation loan from Lightstream. It's an easy way to save hundreds to thousands of dollars and lower your interest rate. Lightstream offers credit card consolidation loans from 5.95% APR with auto pay and excellent credit. That's lower than the average credit card interest rate of over 18% APR. Plus there are no fees. You can even get your money as soon as the day you apply. Lightstream believes that people with good credit deserve a better loan experience. And that's exactly what they deliver. And right now, just for my listeners, you can get a special interest rate discount and save even more. The only way to get this discount is to go to lightstream.com slash wrestle. That's L I G H T S T R E A M.com slash wrestle lightstream.com slash wrestle. Of course, this is subject to credit approval rates range from 5.95% APR to 19.99% APR and include a half a percent auto pay discount. The lowest rate requires excellent credit terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash wrestle for more information. All right. So backstage next, we've got Maria doing a bit of an interview and, uh, Lita is going to interrupt and say, edge doesn't care what the fans think. And Maria said, Lita needs to keep her mouth open. 
And Lena says she's going to use her mouth to laugh when Edge walks out as WWE champion. And Lena said Edge and herself are going to have a private sex celebration. Boy, this is just some weird stuff here in hindsight, is it not? Well, again, it would different times, different places. When you go back and look at it 15 years ago, it was again, a different time in a different place. So here we are, uh, let's keep it moving and let's talk about Ric Flair and Umaga on paper. This seems like what the fuck, but styles make fights, right? Uh, Umaga has Armando Estrada with him. They only go three minutes and 31 seconds. It was a merciful guide for Flair that night. Uh, Umaga's going to attack him before the uh, ring bell even happens. He's on his way to the ring. So, uh, we're getting a jump start. Flair gets a little bit of offense in early, but eventually, uh, Umaga throws him to the outside and into the ring steps back in the ring. He squashes him with the tree of woe, jabs him in the throat with the tape thumb and boom, there's your quick win for Umaga. Wade would say poor use of flair when a serviceable mid card baby face would have sufficed half a star. I don't know. It's an easy night for Rick, right? Who cares? And it's also a building night for Umaga. And for me, I would have loved to have had a program with flair and Umaga during this time, because I think that Rick could have, you know, been one of those guys to make Umaga even bigger. Uh, God, Eki could go and was one of those really, really impressive talents that you could put in the ring with anybody and people would go, holy shit that Umaga is an impressive son of a bitch. So I, I wish we had done more with Rick and Umaga, frankly. Yeah. I mean, and, and here's the thing. It's not like flair had a problem putting him over. I mean, my goodness, flair don't care, right? Flair don't care. Wait, no care, no flair. Well, I think the, anyway. the thing you and I enjoyed a few years ago was, uh, I'm 65. I could give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I use that now, actually. But okay, do, not the sixty-five. Part. Do you do the finger point like he did? I too? do the finger point. <laughs> I do the whole. I do the goddamn. I'm fifty-eight years old, and I don't give a fuck. Uh, yes. Backstage. And I try to do it at a bar. You know, usually when, uh, when somebody's he, telling me I can't have something. There you go. Yeah. Backstage, we see Vince flexing his muscles before Shane McMahon interrupts. Shane asks if he's hey, ready to huge. take out Shawn Michaels. And Vince reminds him, Hey, uh, it's a tag match against Sean and God. And Vince tells Shane to leave God to him during the match. And Vince grabs Shane's water bottle, spills some on the floor and then proceeds to walk on water. Vince then reenacts Jesus's multiplication of the bread and the fish. Shane discovered that his water had been turned into wine and Shane looked at Vince as if he had lost his mind. Boy, howdy. This is, uh, not good, but Vince loves it. Entertainment. It is parody. I, you know, I've again, this, this is entertainment. This is parody and, and it's okay for, for movies and all that to do it, but not do it here. I don't know. A lot of people think this was in poor taste and sacrilegious, et cetera, et cetera religious people that have lived their entire life under that and that that have grown up that way. But I do think that based, you know, in entertainment and parody that this was entertainment (laughs) for those that took it seriously. Well then, sorry. 
Next up, Trish Stratus is going to beat Mickey James by DQ in three minutes and eight seconds. So Mickey retains the women's title. Um, Trish takes control with a stiff kick to the head and sends Mickey to the outside. Trish is playing mind games. According to Wade Keller by blowing a kiss here. Eventually Mickey's going to choke Trish and the referee DQs Mickey because she fails to release the choke before a five count and Mickey walks out with the belt and Trish is yelling at her while holding her arm and Wade thought it was disappointing considering the hype. He gives it three quarters of a star. It doesn't feel like a pay-per-view match when it ends like this. It feels like another TV segment, right? Well, it was a continuation of the story and the story had a lot of legs left to it. And I thought that it was, you know, something that, uh, fit on the pay-per-view. You can't all have 87 matches, you know, go 300 hours long. Next up, we go backstage and we see Maria acknowledge that she made a mistake in the first backstage segment where she said, uh, Chris masters won. Of course he did not Carlito won, but then she welcomes Shawn Michaels in who said he's not about shoving his Christianity down people's throats. He said, God is at the pay-per-view just as he always is present. And Sean said, it's time to call the spade a spade and label the match a handicap match. And Sean says, he's going to bring the McMahons to their knees and maybe force Vince to cry out to God. He lets the fans say, suck it. And then he leaves. This is the era where he's still a part of DX and he wants to do the suck it thing, but he's not going to say it. So he'll tease it. And sort of point to the audience and the audience finishes it. Was this a challenging bit for Sean to get on board with? Um, I don't know. I, I think that it was, it was a bit of a sell, but I think that Sean got it. You know, Sean got the fact that this was a parody and that, uh, you know, no matter how, you get your message out sometimes, I think from Sean's point of view, that it's a good thing for him to get his message out and for him to talk about the change in his Christianity beliefs. So I think that Sean looked at it as a positive for him um, and also saw that, you know, the other side of it, you know, the parody and the entertainment. Where did you land on it? I mean, were you? trying to sell Sean on it. Does Vince sell Sean on it? I'm just wondering how that conversation happens. And you start to say, come on, it's entertainment, pal, all that stuff. I, I don't think it ever got to that point. Okay. I don't think that it ever got to the point of Sean saying, oh man, I don't want to do this or anything like that. It, it was kind of like, okay, let me think about it. And then I get it. Sean's a smart guy. Next up, Rob Van Dam and Shelton Benjamin. And this is a great match. Uh, three and a quarter stars. They get plenty of time too. 18 minutes and 47 seconds. Rob Van Dam retains the money in the bank contract, but he captures the intercontinental title in the process. Um, before the match, Lawler and Ross are asking about the status of Shelton's mama. And Ross said, mama recently had surgery. And then of course, Lawler brought up Dr. Heine skit with Mr. McMahon. And Jr. says, was that good television or what? And of course the fans start chanting ECW for Rob Van Dam. Pretty good match here. There is a, uh, a ref bump. Shelton tries to use the briefcase. Rob Van Dam tosses it to Shelton and then hits a Van Daminator, which pops the crowd because it's not a chair. It's the case. He goes up, hits the five-star frog splash. And that's it. Wade would say strong athletic display for these two mid card wrestlers, making a case for main event status. Three and a quarter stars. What'd you think watching this one back? I thought it was excellent. It was excellent. And I, I enjoyed watching both 
Rob and Shelton go because they both could go. And it was it was nice to have not a, a an overwhelming story, but a good story with two guys that could tell their story inside the ring. And it just showed, you know, Rob shine and Shelton shined in this thing as well. So it was it was simple, but yet at the same time, it was damn exciting. And one of those that people can leave, you know, feeling really good about. Rob would end up losing the intercontinental title back to Shelton at the May 15th raw. And then the next week, Rob would come out and tell Cena, he's going to be chasing uh, his world title. When he cashes in his money in the bank contract at one night stand, chat me up. If you know, we're going to have him drop it in two weeks and then go for the world title. Why do an IC switch here? Why not just have Shelton retain? Well, then what good is that? Well, I'm just wondering if we're, I mean, is, is it, we're trying to give, make you feel like you got your money's worth. You well, saw something happen. You saw a, a title switch. Well, yeah. And also it keeps people guessing. Okay. And, and again, to, to the smart fan that would, you know, that would analyze that. And, oh, well, they had to do this. Well, well, why can't shit just happen? And why can't, you know, uh, different people win on any given night. In hindsight, we know Rob Van Dam is going to go on to be a big star. He's going to have a little trouble with the law that cuts this push short. But he, here he is having a series of really good matches with Shelton Benjamin. Is this as close as Shelton ever got to the quote unquote brass ring? Do you think? You know, I think Shelton's had a lot of brushes with it and is one of those talented guys that, uh, will always go down is one of the most talented guys to ever lace up a pair of boots. After a video package airs, recapping the big show cane feud, Todd Grisham interviews big show. He was wearing bandages over his injured left eye. He said that unlike Kane, he didn't snap and start attacking people when he was in the water boy movie. He said he doesn't know why Kane is upset about May 19th, but it would be an eye for an eye against Kane. So here we are big show and Kane, and they're going to go to a no contest in 10 minutes. Wade didn't like it. He gave it a dud. Um, there's a lot of silliness here. Meltzer would say <laughs> Meltzer Wade would say. The match dragged and Ross said, this has not been a pretty match show tried to stab Kane in the eye, but Kane blocked and then kicked show to the outside. Kane followed show to the outside. And then the lights went down and Kane's inner voice came over the PA system. His voice repeated the May 19th date and warned him it would happen again. Uh, Ross said he couldn't explain where the voice was coming from. And Kane is inflicting pain on himself as show was trying to console him. Show grabs a chair from the outside and then takes Kane out of his misery with a chair shot. Show walks out of the ring and then Kane sat up and began to smile an evil smile. So without a decision, the match thankfully ended. Uh, what is this? I know we're trying to cross promote a movie, but we're asking people to buy this on pay-per-view. What the fuck? It was a collision of the giant. <laughs> this was a fucking pig fuck. This was bad. Yeah, this was not good. No. That's what this was. This just wasn't good. Um and again, the, the whole story. I tell I will say this though, man, with the May 19th stuff and the way that we got it, we had people buzzing about May 19th. Right. And the you know, at one point I think we had the wrong date. And if you go back, and I'm, I could be wrong here, but I know internally we had the wrong date of the actual premiere versus when it was going to be in uh, movie theaters and all this other stuff. So, but 
I think that this promotion was one of those just kind of crazy promotions that continually reminded people of the date of May 19th and had people going, what the hell is, is May 19th? What is May 19th? What's the significance? And then when you got to the significance, there was enough interest there. Say, you know what? I might just go check this out. So to that, it was a success. <sighs> but this match <laughs> stunk. So bad. Not good. So Not bad. Even, yeah, there's nothing to defend there. $91,000. $91,000. That's how much Michael in North Carolina saved at SaveWithConrad.com. He left us a five-star review that said, I've had many bad experiences with buying and refinancing, but my experience with First Family was first class, easy, and overall a great experience. Derek and Jennifer are awesome. To be honest, I was skeptical that this process was going too smooth and anxiety levels rose waiting for something bad to happen. But we closed and I slept like a baby. It was nuts. Derek and the crew saved me $91,000 off the life of my new loan and cut my interest rate by almost half. Thank you, thank you, thank you, First Family Mortgage. No, thank you, Michael. Thanks for listening to the podcast and thanks for letting us save your family 91000 bucks. Now that's his number 91 grand. What's your number? You see, it's not a matter of if we can save you money. It's a matter of how much, if you can hear my voice and you have a 30 year loan, a second mortgage or a credit card debt, I guarantee I can save you cash. Find out how much right now for free. This is no cost, no obligation. And if we can help you save some cash, we won't waste your time. And at SaveWithConrad.com, you're not being rerouted overseas. You're talking to me and my family at First Family. It's SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payment for two months? How's that for a summer break from house payments? No payments in June or July. You're done until August 1st at SaveWithConrad.com. Next up, Candace Michelle walks into Vince McMahon's locker room and she's coughing and said she had a chest cold. And she asked Vince to play God and lay a healing hand on her. After Vince avoided Candace's chest, she reminded <laughs> she, she reminds him it's a chest cold. So he says, heal this woman's voluptuous breasts. And he threw Candace down on the couch and Candace had a near orgasm, then felt her own breasts. Shane grabbed Vince and told him their match was next. What the hell was that? Jim Ross asked. And then a healing. Then JR said, Vince has lost it. This skit backstage. My goodness. What can you tell us about this? It was a miracle. Once again, having fun and, uh, being able to channel a little bit of inner brother love. And, and sometimes you must lay hands upon and touch for the healing forces to flow through the human body into another human body so that that for the touch can heal upon them from within. I'm going to do an entire podcast on just in like that. Please don't. I'm going to. The next match is God versus Shawn Michaels. God will face. Yeah. He was teaming with Shawn Michaels. My apologies. He's taking on the McMahons and you know, God and Vince have been going toe to toe since at least 84. Uh, so this is their first pay-per-view match, <laughs> but now you guys have already heard how we got here. Of course, this all started the day after Christmas, 2005, 
uh, where uh, Vince is talking about Bret Hart's DVD and he says something like, Sean, don't make me screw you too. There's the interaction at Royal Rumble we've already covered. Of course, Saturday night's main event 32 we've already covered. You remember what happened at WrestleMania? We've already covered that. But the next night on Raw, the McMahons confront Shawn Michaels and inform him that his win at WrestleMania was an act of God. Therefore, it sets up the match here where it's the McMahons versus Shawn and God. This is real, folks. It's an actual pay-per-view from 15 years ago. So let's talk about the match itself. I mean, I guess before we do, we should we should address the pre-match stuff. Prior to the match, Ross said he has a hard time understanding the theology of McMahonism. Vince introduces God, the lights dim and a spotlight slowly walks to the ring. Vince stops the spotlight short and tells God to dance and make a real WWE entrance. The spotlight past the ring and Vince is dancing to some up-tempo gospel music and the spotlight stood in Sean's corner. Uh, Vince then tells the referee to go check God out because he could have an illegal object. <laughs> And Vince changes his mind and tells God to bring whatever he has because the match is now no DQ, no holds barred. Shane is expressionless through all of this. And then Shawn Michaels music interrupts. And here we go. What'd you think of this, uh, this open the spot? It took a long time to rehearse that entrance. Did God, did God have it down to the ramp and then getting in the ring and all was kind of, you know, you got to wipe your feet and all that shit is before it, you get in. Is and this your thinking? Lot. Let's put the spotlight in the corner and give the spotlight a ring entrance. And well, how in the hell else are you going to know where he is? I'm with you. I'm I'm asking who came up with that idea. Oh, I have no idea. I'm sure that was a Vince idea. Just kind of, you know, he's got to have a spotlight. Are y'all all, a lighting are, treatment? Are y'all all just tickled, cracking up when you see it? I thought it was highly entertaining. Vince says, uh, Sean Michaels and God are going to go straight to hell by the end of the match. And, uh, Sean lands a punch and there we go. We're starting the match. What'd you think of the match itself? Well, I, th I thought if it had been held in the, uh, Tokyo dome, <laughs> the match wasn't bad. The match was fun. Oh, I thought the match was good. You know, it's typical handicap match. And, uh, they did what they needed to do. Vince eventually tags in, takes his belt off and starts whipping Shawn Michaels. He smashes a trash can over his head and then grabs a mic. He's yelling in Sean's corner. Where the hell are you going? God. And then he announced God has left the building. <sighs> Lots of fun stuff here. You know, there's table spots, there's ladders, there's big elbows. The spirit squads here. Um, the spirit squad eventually attacks Sean and lay him out. And then they resuscitate the McMahons. The squad takes Sean into the ring, slam him through one of the tables. The squad placed Vince on top of Sean and there's your win. And Lawler said the father, the son, the Holy spirit squad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Three stars. Look, I know where I'm going, Conrad. So <laughs> I was like, uh, Meltzer would say, I keep saying it. Wade would say good spectacle match with good heat for Sean's comebacks. The finish didn't feel like the type of finish to conclude a feud. Yeah. No kidding. 
Can you believe that God lost? He left. He walked out. So you think God, the story here is God turned his back on Shawn Michaels. Well, okay. Hang on. See, and I'm, I'm going to give you an analogy here. Oh. And this is when I was, I was a kid and I know I've told you this story. I don't know if it ever told our listeners this story about the time that I had to go to Paul Bosch's testimonial at, uh, his church in, in Sugarland, Texas, very beautiful place. And is I'm in the stands and I'm listening. And one of the main speakers gets up and he talks and he tells a story about going hunting him and four of his friends. They were on a hunting trip somewhere in the mountains. And as they were on this hunting trip, they came across a sheep on the side of the road. And this sheep had broken its ankle and had been left on the side of the road to die because the rest of the flock couldn't help the sheep with the broken ankle and had left this sheep on the side of the road to die. And this speaker went on to say, he goes, Lord Jesus Christ, he will not leave you on the side of the road to die. No, he will not. If you're a part of his flock, they will pick you up and they will bring you with regardless of your condition. So the next day, Paul Bosch comes in and into the office and he asked me, he says, so what did you think of the presentation last night? I said, well, it was interesting. Does he have any questions? I said, I do have one. I said, what's that? I said, well, you remember that story that the main speaker was talking about, you know, going deer hunting and everything up in the mountains and coming across a sheep? Said, yeah, yeah. He's really interested. And I said, well, well, that's, that's cool, you know. God won't leave you on the side of the road. I said, but who was looking after the deer that those guys were pointing the rifles at and killing? And Paul just got up with the utmost disgust, grabbed his briefcase, and walked out of the office. And I don't think we spoke for about three days after that. So what I'm saying is... You're a heathen. I'm a heathen. Yeah, I got that. Yeah. Cliff notes. I knew that the first time we hung out. Yeah. In hindsight, I, mean, I believe, but you know, it's, it's, it's just, you know, we, we all have our different beliefs in and ways of belief. In hindsight, in hindsight, should you have done this? I found again, man. Uh, I think that when you, you view it through glasses of, of many years later, maybe not, but in the time when you're living it in the time, I, it was again, parody and entertainment that I found very entertaining. <sighs> I wouldn't do it today. No. Next up, John Cena's backstage with Todd Grisham. They're discussing the split audience and Cena said one constant would be Lillian Garcia who would announce John Cena is still the WWE champion. And Matt Stryker came to the ring for the buffer match before the main event. He runs down Kentucky and then brings out Eugene. He said, Eugene might be the smartest person from the state of Kentucky, but even he can't spell his own name. And Eugene added likes poop to Matt Stryker's name on the chalkboard and Stryker became upset and he became fixated on the snot that Eugene picked from his nose. Eugene stuffed it down Stryker's mouth and then hit the stunner. Eugene took off and Stryker gave chase. This is your let me up segment, right? That's an 18 star just segment right there. Solid goal. 
Hey, we don't have to whisper about it anymore. It's not a secret. Because now, everybody who listens to this show knows that Solid Gold is the best and only way to take great care of your pet. Well, at least if you want to do it how Bruce and I do. Did you know that up to 80% of the immune system is influenced by the gut? Or that supporting that immune system through proper diet and digestive health enables your pets to better fight environmental allergies? I gotta admit, I didn't even know my dogs had allergies until they went to the vet several years ago. And I found out, wait a minute, that's the reason she's got like those little tear spots under her eye. It was all allergies and I had no idea. Solid Gold is passionate about gut health because a healthy digestive system positively impacts the immune system and overall wellness of pets. Solid Gold was the first holistic pet food company in America, started back in 74 by Sissy McGill. She was a trailblazer of sorts and a pioneer who disrupted a male-dominated industry and created a natural pet food before it was cool. Now, her inspiration was that European pet food that was served to European Great Danes would allow them to live longer than their American counterparts. And she wondered, hey, why are these European Great Danes outliving American dogs? It's all about the food, baby. And her first recipe, dog flakes in German, which I guess is called Hundenflocken, it provided high-quality nutrition and digestive health for over 20 generations of dogs. So it's proven, man. Solid Gold's nutritional platform is inspired by their founding belief that high-quality food is the best way to impact our pet's mind, body, and spirit. Now, for over 45 years, Solid Gold has revolutionized the holistic pet food category, and they have a recipe for any dog or cat's dietary needs, including healthy whole grain and grain-free options, wet food, and supplements like sea meal, and how about Dodger's favorite, 100% human-grade bone broth for dogs. Solid Gold foods are different because they cleanse the digestive system with whole superfoods, with living probiotics, and fuel with omega-3 and 6 fatty acids, supporting gut health and nourishing your pet inside and out. Right now, to save 30% on Solid Gold products, go to solidgoldpet.com wrestle. That's solidgoldpet.com wrestle to save 30% on select Solid Gold products. Remember, it's solidgold.com wrestle. Next up, it's a three-way dance for the world title. Uh, Triple H won the road to WrestleMania number one contender tournament. So he earned a shot against John Cena at WrestleMania. Of course, Cena won, making him tap out the next night. Triple H demands another shot, but edge interrupts him. And he says, Hey, I became the WWE champ at new year's revolution. I deserve a shot. And, uh, here we are, we've got a three-way dance set up. So. They get 17 minutes and 10 seconds. And and when Wade would say no crazy ring entrances like WrestleMania, uh, edge ducks out after the opening bell and tells Hunter and Cena to start the match. I've always liked that. If it's a three-way, why not just remove yourself from the situation? Let these guys beat the shit out of each other and get tired. And I'll pick my spots edge positioning himself as the ultimate opportunist. That made sense, right? Absolutely, and the spot was stolen from. If you go back to the, you know, probably best Royal Rumble, the '92 Royal Rumble, I always loved when Jake made his entrance, and Piper, and, it may have been Piper and Flair were going at it, and Jake just slid in and went to the corner and watched him. Like, why are you getting involved? Yeah, that's smart. Yeah, okay, you two guys are going going at it. I'll be over here. Let <laughs> I me mean, let me know when there's an opening. I'll I'll jump in and do whatever it is I need to do. Uh eventually Cena's gonna get uh involved here with uh Lita and um 
there's a five knuckle shuffle that he's going for. And when Lita pulls the top rope down, Cena falls to the outside and fans cheer it. So this is definitely the era where fans are starting to turn against John Cena. Was there any concern about that, that, Hey, we're positioning him as our baby face, our, our great white hope, our all American, our next Hulk Hogan, but the fans just don't seem to be with it. I think that there was, yes. I mean, there was concern amongst a lot of people thinking that, you know, you had to protect John in the traditional baby face way, but John wasn't a traditional baby face and the audience cared so damn much about John one way or the other. Those that loved him, loved him. Those that didn't, they were boisterous. So as long as they were reacting, like, well, you know what? They care. The, uh, the match gets really, really bloody here. When you watch this back, I mean, me and you have talked off air before you don't really dig all the blood. Can you enjoy it here in 06? Or when you watch blood and wrestling, does it usually need to be like the seventies or eighties for you to be with it? No. And again, I think that in the moment, sometimes, um, the old school way of thinking was, you know, this, this is good for the story. This is good for business. This is believability. Um, and you get wrapped up in it. And I think that blood elicits emotion. So you can relate to bleeding. You can relate to that pain. So it's a, it's an effective tool. I just, in in my older age, man, I just, uh, kind of got to the point where, you know, you don't really need to, you don't really need that to sell the same emotion and to be able to sell and tell the same story. And, and it may just be me, but that's, um, as you get older, your, your tastes change. Yeah, they do. Let's talk about the finish here. Hunter tosses the chair aside then uh, retrieves the sledgehammer edge catches him out of nowhere with a spear. And then edge goes after Hunter with the sledgehammer, but Hunter avoids it. Uh, Cena goes for the FU on edge, but Hunter low blows Cena and edge falls to the outside. Hunter then goes for the pedigree, but Cena drops Hunter onto his back and then goes for a bridge pin for the win. And the place explodes. Wade would say it was a good and brutal spot fest. They handled the three-way situation as believably as possible. And it was main event worthy. He gave it four stars. I think this is so fascinating where fans are, are booing John Cena. When he comes in, they're booing or they're cheering when John Cena gets screwed by Lita midway through the match on a random spot. But when he gets the pin, they've told such a great story. They explode. So even, even if their guy didn't win, that's not what it's about. We just saw something fucking awesome and they explode. Yes. And I think it surprised them too. So they were happy to be surprised and like, damn, that was good. And that explosion, that explosion was for something that they may not have expected, but they were happy because he earned it. He being John Cena earned it throughout that match. And all three of those guys left everything they had in that ring. And the audience appreciates that. And they look at it and go, yes, this is what we wanted. And I think that that's a lot of where that explosion came from. Overall, what'd you think about this show? Watching it back for the first time in 15 years, thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in the middle. 
I thought it was a thumbs up. Um, and you know, mainly from the, the Vince and Sean and Shane handicap match in the last match, I thought the last match was absolutely spectacular. I want to mention too, after the match, Hunter attacks John Cena from behind. He's going to grab the sledgehammer and then lay out the referee. He drops edge and Cena with sledgehammer shots to the face. He does a DX crotch chop over Cena's fallen body and Hunter's music plays. And then he gets to the top of the ramp and does another crotch chop. So Cena and edge are motionless uh, on the mat as Hunter is playing to the crowd. So even though Hunter has been positioned as a heel, we're definitely flirting with him being a baby face. Uh, not necessarily that the crotch chop thing is that, but with the teases from Shawn Michaels on suck it and all that we're headed towards a DX reunion of sorts. And that is, that is not debatable in this era. Right. Right. When, you know, we we've sort of hinted at even at WrestleMania, when they're doing the crotch chops here and there a month later, it's apparent. When did you know, Hey man, we're going to do a reunion. Um, we, for a while. And, and it was a battle to get there. I don't think that Sean and Hunter really wanted, wanted to go back there because it wasn't the full DX. Right. Um, so it was a little bit of a battle to get them there, but eventually we got them there. Well, June 25th, 2006 will be the next raw only pay-per-view it's in Charlotte, North Carolina. And on top it's DX taking on the spirit squad. So we're all the way back. I'm sure we're going to talk about that in the future, but that's going to do it for this week's episode of something to wrestle. We greatly appreciate you guys jumping in with us and talking about the silliness of God in a wrestling match. Uh, next week though, Bruce, because we got a little bit behind, I've got a few different topics in mind. I'm going to let you pick. Somebody, Again? Um, yeah, you know how I can be. So instead of there being a poll for fans, there's a poll for Bruce. Oh boy. I'm, I'm going to give you three names and you pick. You ready? Dude, I have a hard time choosing lunch. Hercules, Trish Stratus, Dr. Death, Steve Williams. What do you want to do next week? Let's go with Doc. Dr. Death, it is coming your way next week on May 14th. Of course, you get all these shows early and ad free over at adfreeshows.com. And, uh, Bruce, I had a lot of fun with this episode. I don't know what I expected talking about God on pay-per-view, but Hey, we got it done, man. Thanks for making the time. We're on a mission from God. What What is that a line from blues brothers? Oh, you don't it. know the blues brothers saw it one time. Oh my God. You need to go back and see it eight more times. We're on a mission from God. Uh, I think next time you and I are in California or, or Colorado, uh, we'll, uh, we'll have a couple of beverages and eat some candy and watch it. How's that? That works for me. Yeah. Why do we got to wait to be in California or Colorado reasons? Oh, you know, people, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I don't. I don't know anything. I know that nothing. So untrue. Yeah. Well, here's what I do know. It's the end of the show. We appreciate you guys support. Thank you very much for all that you do for us. If you've got a question about Dr. Death, go ask it right now at Pritchard show on Twitter. Uh, he is at Bruce Pritchard. I am at, Hey, Hey, it's Conrad. And we are out of time. We'll see you next week right here on something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. I love our audience. They are the greatest audience in the entire world. Oh, Hey, I forgot to tell you too. You know, we got a little heat cause we had to cut Kevin Nash short back in the day. Yeah. Not that he's short. You know what I mean? Well, in two weeks on the 21st, we're finally getting around to Kevin Nash part two. Oh, great. all right. That'll be pretty cool. Yeah, it will. I still love our audience. Yeah. I love our audience too. We're allowed to love our audience. Don't get hot. Hey, so, uh, 
When are you going to listen? They, to they put up with my shit, and, and and sometimes it's just unavoidable shit. Are you gonna Are you gonna listen to Jeff Jarrett's My World podcast when we hang out? Yeah, probably not. Oh, come on, man! It's at My World Podcast on Twitter. It's easy to find. Anywhere you enjoy podcasts, just type in My World with Jeff Jarrett. Do you know Do you know how many functions I use on my phone now? Not a lot. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and you told me to get rid of some apps, <laughs> buddy, let's just talk about that for a minute. Deleting Twitter off your phone has made your life a little happier. Can we agree? It's still on here though. Well, don't go there. I don't. Okay, good. I'm just saying it's still on right there. It's on there. Well, click it and go to at my world podcast and see what you think of Jeff's show. I think you'll do, yeah, I'm not gonna do that. That's, uh, well, let me tease you the first episode that we just dropped. It's about, uh, quote unquote, holding up Vince. And I don't think Jim Ross is going to be very happy with all the content of the show. And you like to make fun of Jim on the show. So I think you'd like to Not the way I remember it, Connie. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I got to get you fired up and him fired up and get a little liquor going in y'all and just click record. Yeah, well. First thing we got to find is that T I M E. Well, you want to sing us out? I'm still recording by the way. Oh, what the fuck? What do you mean? I don't, I said goodbye. And then now you want me to spend my days working hard on the go, but the hands on the clock keep spinning too slow. So I can't wait to be alone with my baby tonight. You know, my baby's got me wrapped around her little finger. And you know that I will walk through hell and back to be with her. I can't wait to be alone with my baby tonight. Hey, hey, ho, ho. That's all I got. All right, we're done. See you later. See you next week, folks. Love talking about my friend Steven Singer. You know, the competition really hates him. He makes the experience of buying a diamond better and better, and he makes it fun. Steven is the very first to offer each and every guest the perfect price. That's right. Have you ever wondered if you're getting the best price? Are you uncomfortable negotiating? Head to Steven Singer Jewelers and you're guaranteed to get the perfect price. You'll never pay more than the person next to you. Here's a little insider tip. Most jewelers mark their merchandise way up just to mark it down to make you feel like you're getting a deal. The person next to you may be paying less. Do you want an important purchase like diamond jewelry to be based on your negotiating skills? Not the case at Steven Singer. Because at Steven Singer Jewelers, you're guaranteed to get the perfect price all day, every day, 365 days a year. That's why we trust Steven Singer. He makes the experience of buying a diamond so easy. Check out Steven Singer Jewelers at the other corner of 8th and Walnut and Philly or online at IHateStevenSinger.com. Steven Singer Jewelers, one place, one price. That's IHateStevenSinger.com. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on a sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.